I am excited for the special ways that God continues to grow us. Keep looking for those so we can celebrate what God is doing us together. Let's give God glory for that again right now. Thank you. Thanks for doing that, Nathan. It is for his glory that we are blessed. And we've been covering that this week, this month, that we have been blessed to be a blessing, and it's for his glory. Now, shifting gears just a moment. We're still in this series, Blessed to be a Blessing, but do you guys realize Thursday is December, okay? And Christmas is right around the corner, and I want you to know some of the exciting things that are going on here this uh, Christmas season, this December. Uh, The best part about Christmas is, get this, celebrating that Jesus came to be with us, amen? It is a fact that Jesus was born, uh, he became human, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, and he arose victorious over sin and death. And that is the reason we celebrate. Uh, We're going to celebrate that in five different services this Christmas season. So put this in your mind, invite friends, make sure you get family around these services. But on December 23rd, we're going to have one service at 6.30 that will be candlelight. And then on the 24th, on Saturday night, we're going to have three different services that are candlelight at 2, 4, and 6. And then on Sunday morning, Christmas morning, we're going to have one combined service as an entire church family, still with children's ministry, at 10 a.m. So that's a little bit different schedule, uh, but we would encourage you to uh, join us as we celebrate that this Christmas season. Invite a friend. Uh, We have found over recent history that Christmas is the number one time where people are likely to say, yes, I, I will join you as we celebrate the gift of Jesus at Christmas time, and, and we can share that with them. Here's another thing that's happening even before Christmas. Uh, on Wednesday, December 14th at 6.30, we're going to have a Christmas family meal together for all ages, uh, from birth to, uh, to everyone involved. We're going to come together to have a meal, uh, be ready for some food, fellowship, and fun. You don't have to bring anything, okay? The church can provide that. We would ask you, though, to reserve your spot by calling the office or getting on our website and following the link to reserve a spot. You don't even have to tell us uh, the name of everyone that's coming, but just how many are coming so we can prepare. And I'm excited about that. It's another time where you can invite a friend to share with them the hope we have in Jesus. It's going to be a great uh, experience. Speaking of dinner, now let's get down to business for today. How'd Thanksgiving go? Okay, let's see a few heads nodding. Let's, let's be a little bit more, I know... Uh, Hopefully you got with family and friends. How many of you had some gravy? Go ahead and raise your hand at that. If you had some, anybody have some gravy? Okay. Now some of you are like, I don't like gravy at all. Uh, I think if you don't even like gravy, it kind of goes with the picture of it. Uh, but, but I asked on Wednesday before Thanksgiving to post on social media, if you were there, a picture of your gravy situation on Thanksgiving. Okay. So some people did that. And I wanted you to use the hashtag. I know all of you guys hashtag, maybe that's even old school now, but hashtag lavish gravy, just to to give us a picture of what I led the way with this picture. It it indicates uh, my Thanksgiving plate, the first one. And you can see a fair amount of gravy there. Uh, You can, this is a staged picture. I've got, this is my plate, but I staged the napkin perfectly there. And for the first time uh, in a Thanksgiving dinner that I ever re- can remember, I had a salad. And I put that in there just so you can think I eat healthy a little bit, all right? <laughs> so it actually was a tremendous salad. It was great. Uh, but re- usually I just dive right in. There's so many options to enjoy. But that was my first round at Thanksgiving. Pat Blankenship followed suit with a really good picture. This is Pat's uh, Thanksgiving meal. And he had plenty of gravy. I also believe, and I'm calling Pat out for this, I think he staged the cucumbers and carrots, okay? (laughs) That one piece of celery, you put that on there for a good picture's sake, I think, Pat. But thanks for doing that, Pat. And then probably the most impressive were the Mossman family. 
uh, they, they posted a number of pictures with the hashtag and the gravy was flowing. And I'm a little bit envious of this picture because if you notice, there's a gravy boat. Okay. And you know, you're doing gravy well when you got a boat out uh, to handle the gravy. And so Mossman's great job with that. It's a tremendous blessing around that. The reason I did all that silliness was to prepare us for two things today. One is a reminder. The hashtag gravy is something that wasn't even in the sermon last week, and I just began to talk about that. But it gives us a great picture of how God's lavishes His grace on us. I pray that every Thanksgiving or every time you indulge in a small amount of gravy or a lot, you can't help but remember that God has lavished His grace upon you through Jesus Christ. That as you see brown gravy or white gravy in the future, it is a reminder that you can't help but think that God has blessed you in the spiritual realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's from Ephesians chapter 1. So my heart in all this is, then the future, when you see gravy, you think of Ephesians 1. You think of God's lavish grace, that he has blessed us to be a blessing. That the, the Bible says he doesn't hold back on his children. But to be honest, it doesn't take long to see if someone's holding back. If you're around them very long, you, you can see the difference quickly of someone who's being generous and lavishing on someone and someone kind of holding back, uh, timid to give, to, to uh, show affection or appreciation. It's not hard to tell if someone's being generous with gravy or gifts, maybe praise, appreciation, or love or forgiveness. We're blessed to be a blessing. So here's the question for today. Here, here's the real turning point that I want you to wrestle with. Are you generous? Not, not the person you're sitting by, not your mom or dad, not, not your friends, but are you generous? And since God has been generous to us, we, we are called to be generous. All month long, we have been talking about this reality that we have been blessed to be a blessing. So are you fulfilling that call that he gave to Abram that we see on the church in Ephesus, that today we're going to see the church in, in Corinth? Christ has set the example to bless others, and we're, we're to follow that. But how are we really supposed to do that? To what extent? That's the first question. Well, I, I want to give, but, but to what really extent am I called to give? Well, here it gives us some insight in Ephesians chapter 1 we studied two weeks ago. Paul writes this, according to the riches of his grace. So in relationship to how we're to give, it's to, to be according to the riches of his grace, which God lavished upon us. It is in direct correlation to how we have been blessed is how we're to be a blessing. We're to bless others in the same way he's lavished on us, which that's radical. That's extraordinary. That's, that's huge. We're blessed to be generous, period. That's the, way, that's, that's the reality. So let me ask you again, are you generous? It's kind of difficult to think about, really, because it shows a little bit about our own hearts and our own minds. So what would you say? Are you generous? Maybe this is a better question. What would others say? What would your spouse say? Or your kids? Maybe your friends. What would they say? Well, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. Are, are, are you a generous person? Do other people see you uh, as blessed in a way that you have blessed others? Do they see generosity uh, f- flowing from you? Or how about this? What would the last waiter or waitress that served you a meal, maybe it was just this week or a month ago, no matter how, how long ago, what would they say about your generosity or lack thereof? Are you generous? Well, what's the reality of that? Because God has called us to be a blessing to bless others like we've been blessed. 
Now, I have to admit, and you may be like me, I'm not the most generous person by nature. Left to my own, uh, the way I'm geared, the way I'm kind of a hoarder, the way I, I kind of try to save back on things, uh, I am not naturally uh, geared to be generous. But as I've worked through the truth of this, as I know what God has done for me, I have been challenged to become more and more generous even this past week, even when it's difficult, maybe especially when it's difficult. Because as Christians, as sons and daughters of God who has lavished this grace on us, he has called us to be generous in response. And I want you to know this is not a command from him. I'm not setting up here as the preacher telling you this is hard and you have to do it no matter what. No, I'm saying this is an opportunity. The more we know what God has done for us, the more we have an opportunity to bless others. As Christians, we're to reflect what Christ has done. Paul takes it a step further in this passage for today. While it's not a command, here's what he says. He says, let your generosity be a proof, a proving factor of what you know about what God has done for you. We see this in 2 Corinthians. Turn with me in your Bible. If you've got one around you in the pew like this, it's on page uh, 967. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. And Paul is giving instruction on giving. He's giving instruction on how to be generous. And he's talking to this church in Corinth. That's who this letter was written to, the church in Corinth. And then we all get to examine it today as well. But he is writing this church in Corinth during a very difficult time for another church. The church in Jerusalem, where the church was first founded, where the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Jerusalem, they're going through a great persecution. And they have trouble with all the resources right now. They're being persecuted. Uh, they have a lack of supplies. They have a lack of food. And so Paul is saying, hey, church in Corinth, your brothers in Jerusalem need your help. You need to be generous to them. And, and Paul gives them this instruction. Let's look at chapter 8, starting with verse 7. I think the church in Corinth is a lot like we are. They excel in a lot of things. And I believe, like Devin already said, you excel in giving. But he says, make sure you do this. He says this, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in the act of grace also. I say this not as a command. Uh, underline that. Paul's like, I'm not lording over you in this. This is not a command. This is not a rule you have to follow. Yeah, this is not a command. He says, but prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. He says, this is an opportunity to show your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. He says, know what God has done for you. Know what blessings he has poured on you, and now display it to others. Let your love be seen. Paul is calling us to be gener generous, but how? It's not by our natural instincts. It's not by our natural power. Here's the first thing I want you to really know that how this generosity flows. It comes out of the fact that we need to let our generosity be powered by Christ's generosity, by His love. For most of us, including me, it's not enough to want to be generous. You could leave here today, you could go into God's Word, you could be inspired by something, and it's not enough to be generous on all occasions to just want it. On my own willpower and strength, there will be times where I just am selfish. And I will hold back what I should probably freely give to someone else as a blessing. So what we see here in this text is our generosity at the core needs to be grounded in who Christ is and what He's done for us, not my own willpower, my own want. 
because my wants will let me down. I saw it in the Graber house for years now. I've seen it. I was just talking to another family. He's got four boys. Uh, there for a while this summer, I had uh, four teenage boys. But for most of those years, over the last like, 19, 18 years, as they coexisted together, and sometimes that's about the best we could do, we had to remind them. It had to be an emphasis to share. Anybody can relate to that? If you've got like, toddlers right now, share. Maybe if you've got teenagers, share. It, it still is a case. Uh, our boys, it could be Thanksgiving dinner, and there's one more piece of like a roll. It's like, share, do we have to divide this up into four pieces? You know, and they kind of get the hint then. For years, we had to make it a constant focus and a command you're going to share. In fact, there were more times than one that I was like, I'm not going to feed you supper if you don't share at lunch. I mean, period. You're just not getting any food. And so all of a sudden, they started sharing. It was a command. Something had to follow. But guys, my boys are now teenagers. One of them's 20. There has to be a time where my command isn't the reason they're generous to one another. In fact, if you still see my boys out at a restaurant, maybe they're on their own, and they're not sharing, it's on them now, okay? They're on their own. But here's the reality. It has to come from another place for them and for us as Christians. Paul here is saying, I'm not giving you a command. I'm giving you an opportunity Paul says here, this is, this is an opportunity, this is not a command to follow Christ's example. Here's something that needs to be heard today as we talk about giving. Never allow a teacher or a preacher, an elder, or anyone in leadership to coerce you, uh, to get you uh, to, to feel like there has to be a certain amount of giving for you to do, for you to be saved, to be a good Christian. Where does salvation come from? It doesn't come from what we do or what we earn or what we buy. Salvation, based on Ephesians chapter 2, which is our, our chapter for today, says that grace, salvation in Christ, is a free gift because Jesus paid for it. So, so don't ever let anyone uh, try to coerce you to think, well, I've got to give this much to, to fit in, in, in into the family of God for my salvation to be earned. That is a lie. Salvation is a free gift. But once we know that, what Paul is saying, since you know salvation has been given freely... You're going to be generous as he's been generous to you. As an opportunity to show your love like Christ has loved you. Look back to verse 9. Here, here's what it flows from. It says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The launching pad for generosity is us knowing what Jesus has done for us. For we know the grace has been given. It's not about obeying a rule. It's not about proving a point. It's not about buying anything. The proof of what we know is seen in what we're willing to give. So what did Jesus give? I think we need to cover this. We can't just gloss over this today. What did Jesus give? It wasn't an amount of money. It wasn't a possession. It wasn't a property. What did he really give? It was a position. We see Paul explaining this in Philippians chapter 2. At the first thing, what made him poor was he went from the position of heaven at the right hand of God to become human. Look what it says in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, it could be with brothers. It could be with brothers and sisters. It could be with uh, an elder and a church member. It could be with somebody who came to the church the first time and someone has been here 100 years. Our relationship to one another should be the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So what mindset was that? who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Do you know what the Bible says in comparison to what Christ is at the king, uh, the head uh, setting up the throne of God? He did the exact opposite of being on the throne. He made himself nothing, becoming like you and I. There's a big difference between the king of all and the Lord of lords and the right hand of God to becoming a human. And it says, he being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave up what was most valuable to him, his position in heaven. The reality that he was fully God and he became fully man. That's what Christmas season is all about. He went from the right hand of God to to the manger. He he wasn't the most wealthy man on earth, but he wasn't the most destitute either. He had possessions. He had things. He had food. The Bible says when he became poor, it wasn't because he was destitute on earth. His reality of poorness came from the fact that he became human. And he was tempted in every way. And yet he did not sin. And he allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross. And three days later, he arose from the grave victorious over sin and death and allowing us to be saved by his cost of giving himself uh, on our behalf. The poorness of Jesus took on, it goes far beyond money, but the true, true generosity was his willingness to serve us and give up his position so we could be valued in our new position. That's what the gospel is about. That God took us in our lowly position and became a lowly sinner uh, uh, through our sin, not because of sin he made, so that we could have a high place with God because of forgiveness and grace. And when we know this, it allows us to, to become rich through God and his grace. That's the good news. But becoming rich isn't what we generally think. L- look at this. Think of these thoughts for a moment. Becoming rich through Christ has nothing to do with being seen as wealthy in the world's eyes. And everything to do with being seen as righteous in God's eyes. Because of God's gift of grace through Jesus, God sees us as perfect, as righteous, as holy. And Christ did that for us. Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, they're in this blessing series and I want to be a blessing. I'm all about getting ready. If I could just get this debt paid off, if I could just maybe achieve this position in life, if if I could get these ducks in a row, then I can bless everyone. God, bless me so I can be a blessing. And you make it all about the details and this and and these things over here. But the reality is, the first thing you've got to know, the baseline of anything before any blessing of this earth to know, is that you are saved by grace through Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. When we know this, it allows us to really be a blessing to others, no matter if our resources are huge or if they're small. Paul is saying, know the fact that Jesus died for you. Know what he gave up and let that be a response to your giving. And let me remind you with the most simple scripture of all, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son so we could live, so we would have a chance to be like him. Know that. Don't let anyone take that away from you. It leads us to be generous. Secondly, our generosity flows from not only his power, but how he proportioned it to us. Let your generosity be proportioned to Christ's gifting. What that literally means is be generous to the level he's been generous to us in proportion to that. Look with me back to the text to chapter 8, verse 10. Look what Paul says here about this proportion. He says, and in this matter, I give my judgment. He goes, I'm going to give my opinion. This benefits you. This is good for you to pay attention. 
who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desired to do it. So Paul's saying, a year ago you wanted to be generous, and you working at it. He says, the, the main way for you to be generous is first realize that Christ has loved you, but now you've got to finish it, you've got to carry it out. So here's how you do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. So he says, finish what you've set out to do. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. That's so important. Sometimes we can feel like, man, I just can't be generous because I don't have much. No, he says, you be generous based on the proportion of what you have, not what you don't have. Look at verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased or you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should apply their needs, those in Jerusalem so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, he's, he's quoting the Old Testament now, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Paul here is saying, in proportion to what you have, this is not hard, that you would give of your generosity to others who have less. And there would be a time that, that when all of us pulled our resources together, God's people's needs would be met. Our generosity is to flow based on proportion of how God's blessed us. Look back to verse 12 again. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Here's what he says. This is pretty simple. He says, give according to what you have, not what you don't. And if you have a lot, a lot is going to be asked of you. If you have very little, very little be asked of you. Paul, though, says to this church in Macedonia, they even gave out of the little they had. They gave more than anyone expected. But what Paul here is getting at is he jumps into uh, quoting Exodus 16 in verse 15. Here he's saying, if you have a lot, much will, will be asked. He says, oh, if you gather much, uh, nothing will be left over. Whoever gathers little had no lack. He says, you've got to be careful not to hold on to too much. If we're really trying to apply a blessing to others, you've got to freely be ready to let it go to whatever need is out there or your life's going to be under scrutiny. Paul here is quoting what Moses told the people as they left Egypt in Exodus. And this is the situation where they're gathering manna during the day. And he says, okay, collect just as much as you have for that day. And if you collect too much, if you hold on to too much, it's going to spoil. In fact, look at this from Exodus 16. And Moses said to them, the Israelites, as they're leaving Egypt, no one leave any of it till the morning. He's talking about the manna. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. They didn't follow Moses' lead. They're like, no, we've got to kind of hoard this. Uh, if we gather a little bit more, if there's known tomorrow, we'll have enough. But Moses said, God is going to provide all you need. And if you gather too much, there's going to be worms in it, and it's going to stank. Does anybody use the word stank anymore? We have really three levels of if something smells off at our house. The first is this, something smells. I don't know, it's just code for, there's a smell. What I find interesting, if something is starting to smell, you know what happens to all uh, seven people in our house? Everybody starts sniffing harder. It's like, it smells really bad. And this, it's like, you don't have to sniff that hard. You can smell it. It's kind of weird how that happens. Try it tonight. Say something smells and everybody's... <laughs> Like, just trust me, it smells. And number two, if it's a little worse than a smell, we'll say, hey, boy, something stinks. And you know if something stinks, it's pretty bad at the Graber house because we're always, there's always odors around our house. And it's just, if something is starting to stink, we got a problem. 
But number three, if something has a stank to it, it needs to be like thrown out and burned immediately. Sometimes you come across something that stanks, and it's a word, it's a biblical term here, guys. And this is showing the fact that these people did not trust God. They were hoarding things for themselves. And God says, I'm not going to let you have a blessing in this because you weren't trusting me. So I'm going to make it stank. I wonder how many times God looks at a life and it stanks. It doesn't just smell bad. It doesn't just stink a little bit. But we hold on to so much, not trusting in him, uh, being worried that if we're going to have enough for tomorrow, and God is leading us to bless someone else because we have already been blessed. From what I've found, and I've lived this on the good side and the bad side of this, when I hold on to something, the blessings dry up, and it starts to stink. Or worse, stank. The reality is God is wanting you right now based on this passage to evaluate, what are you holding on to that's more important than blessing others? What have you held on to that's starting to make your heart in a rotten position because you're not willing to trust him and let go? God is giving to us time and time again, and he's wanting us to bless others. In fact, it's it's scriptural. In Deuteronomy 16, it says this, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed you. It's consistent with Scripture. On the first day of the week, we're to lay aside money for the Lord. Uh, they're in proportion to what we've been given. We're to give back to Him. We're to bless, be a blessing. Jesus put it this way in Luke 12. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Devin, I'm so thankful that you heard an elder say thank you today. Our elders are so blessed because I've been in a church where finances were tight. Many churches are going through that now. Our elders have big decisions. There's pressure on them. They pray about a lot of things. In fact, today, be praying for the elders because they're going to be praying for a family and anointing a person with oil today. They're doing some spiritual matters after church that elders would be doing. And I'm so thankful they don't always have to be worried about paying the bills because you've been generous. We have been blessed to be a blessing. There is much ask of it, though, because we have been blessed with much. So let let me just go ahead and state the question some of you are asking. You may be here for the first time during a sermon like this. By the way, we do this just a couple times a year, if not just once. What what would you suggest I give? Well, some people would quickly say, well, a tithe, of course. What I find interesting, while the tithe was the standard of giving in the Old Testament days of Moses, a tithe based by Jesus is not the the litmus test of giving. In fact, uh, for some of you, you give well beyond a tithe because God has has challenged you to do that. You bless you so much, you you can give more than a tithe. And for some of you, you you are just starting to give, and God is honoring you as you trust Him more. What, what, what What the reality is, the tithe is not a command, but often a starting point of generosity. So, so how do you evaluate what you should give? Well, it, it says in the scripture, according to what you have. Look at verse 1 of this chapter. We're going to go back to the beginning. Paul says, we want you to know, brothers, and I want you to know, about the grace of God has been given to you among the churches of Macedonia. See, the church in Macedonia was a very poor church, and yet they gave tremendous amounts. He says, for in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He says they're going through a tough time and great afflictions. They're they're impoverished, and yet they give with great joy. For they gave according to their means. They didn't have millions of dollars. They didn't have gold stacked around. But they gave according to what they had. 
as they can testify and beyond their means. They, they gave more than anybody thought of their own accord, begging us earnestly for a favor. What's the favor? To partake in the relief of the saints. He says they begged for us to help, let them help the church in, in Jerusalem. And this, not as we expected, but they gave it themselves first to the Lord and then according to the will of God to us. According, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So here's what he's saying. The Macedonian church has set the example as they followed Christ. And now Titus is going to come to you with this message saying you should also follow what they've started as they followed Christ. And what we're doing today is following what Christ has done, and the Macedonian church has done, and the church in Corinth has done. And now we get the opportunity to do. It's not a command. It's an opportunity to give according to what you have. It's based on the resources. It's based on the blessings we have. We do it every year. And I think you should do it every year. Every year, the church... Uh, the elders, the administrative staff, the administrative team, and the staff develop a budget. Based on your generosity and, and what God has envisioned for us, we set up an annual budget. And this year is no different. We do this in hopes to impact the world with God's hope and continue the ministry here, right here in Greenville, and, and to have vision for the future. And I'm excited today that Nathan Andrus has set up our budget as our executive, and he has talked to the elders talk to the uh, administrative team and, and the staff, and we have come up with a new budget that he's going to share a little bit with you about. He's also going to share with you about a new vision we have, just a little bit, because we are put in a position because of your generosity. So let's, let's thank God for what he's done in the budget, Nathan, even as he comes. Thanks, Tyson. Well, I'm excited to uh, be able to share with you today because... I've got a lot of good news to share, and it's always more fun to share good news than it is bad news. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to thank you for your generosity in 2022. Uh, we set a $1.2 million budget for this year, and I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that as of now, we are less than $50,000 away from hitting that mark. So thank you for your generosity, and December is typically the best giving month of the year. So. Thank you for your generosity and what that makes possible. So we are able to support other organizations, families, and individuals with the money that you contribute and that you donate. Um, as of the middle of November, we've been able to give away over $200,000 to bless and support other people. So thank you for making that possible. As we get ready to go into 2023, I want to share the budget with you. Uh, so you can see on the screen behind me a breakdown of the budget for 2023. And you can see the total up there as well is just a little bit under $1.3 million. Uh, that's about an 8% increase from last year. And as I'm sure you're well aware, most of that is due to just the rising costs that are around us. Uh, but I am confident that this is a good budget and I'm confident that God's going to continue to provide for us. Now I've got some really exciting news that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, after a period of evaluation, planning, dreaming, the elders and the staff are in agreement that we are missing a warm and welcoming gathering place and welcome center for people to better connect with one another. So as a result, 
The elders uh, have allowed us and released us to carry out plans to renovate and remodel some existing space to try and address those needs. So be on the lookout for things to start happening uh, after the first of the year, but we'll continue to share details with you as those become clearer and as the time gets a little bit closer to that. And one of the things that's really exciting about that is that we are gonna be able to pay cash for all of that. Uh, because of your generosities, we continue to help people grow together. So if you've got questions on any of that, the budgets, the projects, I'd be more than happy to answer questions, have discussions, uh, feel free to email me, call me, stop by the office, catch me in the hallway. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. But I just wanna say thank you for your generosity and for making all of that possible. Thanks. I'm excited about the end of this year. I'm excited about the, this next year to come. Uh, I want you to know that being able to give, even in, in November, um, $200,000 to missions and projects here locally, that, that is amazing. During a time when a lot of churches are starting to hold back their manna, I, I think it stinks. If we have a surplus and we're not ready to use it and put it to work, it, it's going to smell rotten before the Lord. So we've got to be very careful uh, to while we use wise principles to, to spending money and resources, we, we can't hold on for the future. It's for God's glory now. Amen? It is for God's glory now. Amen? Amen. So while we are going to do our best, very, very much like Nathan said, to, to not, this is not a wise time to go into debt. We know that. And we're no longer we're going to get close to that. But we are going to use, do our very best to continue to share hope, both right here in, at the church, in Bond County, and around the world. It is a great time, and I'm excited to see what's coming in the future. So will you continue to make plans for your next year as well? The church staff and elders have done that, and the administration team. So we're going to ask you to do that. We, we do this almost every year. Last year we started a different way. Uh, today on the way out, you're going to get one of these again, only for the second time. Last year was the first time we used a card like this. We have entitled it uh, the Generosity Challenge. And right here you can see it's two-sided. Two one side is for you to keep with the signature. I want to have this plain from the beginning that while this challenge may speak to you in a lot of different ways, we want it to be personal between you and God. The elders and myself, we do not want to know, nor do I think it's healthy for the pastor to know what anyone gives. I, I work hard and our system allows me not to know what you give. So this is between you and the Lord. But what we do want to know, uh, to take the left side off and whatever you decide, to put it in, in the box between now and the end of the year so we can know what God's doing among the church as a whole. So we ask three things over this generosity card. The first thing is to do is to pray over it. To pray based on this challenge all month long that we've been blessed to be a blessing. How, God, do you want me to be a blessing with the things you have given to me? And you could look down through this list. You say, God, do you want me to start giving? Maybe you've never given. And you're going to write in, I'm going to start giving $10 a week. And that's between you and God. Or you want to increase your giving by a certain amount. Maybe it's annually. I'm going to give another $1,000 annually. And you're going to put that down. Maybe you're going to start tithing, giving 10% of your uh, total income. Maybe you've never done that. I remember last year, uh, while we don't have any names with this, six different family units decided to tithe for the first time. And I almost guarantee, while it may have been difficult at times, they were blessed in that. Maybe you're deciding to continue tithing. That's where you're at. Maybe you've decided to give generously above a tithe because of some special thing God's laid on your heart. Whatever it may be, uh, fill out that. Maybe write in whatever God's doing on both sheets. Make sure you keep the one that says your signature. And then between now 
in the next of the year, after you do that second thing, you plan on it and plan with God, we want you to put it in a place where you'll be reminded. So that we're going to pray over it, we're going to make our plan, number two, and then the third thing is we're going to place it in a, somewhere you can remind. Maybe it's in your wallet, maybe it's on your dresser, maybe it's in your Bible. And then that other uh, portion that is anonymous, put that in uh, the generosity box, and we'd love to know what the church is doing in that, in that way. God has blessed us to be a blessing. We excel in so many things. Look back to the text. I want, I want to kind of finish where we, where we started today. Look what it says in, in verse 7. But you, I'm talking to Greenville First Christian Church right now, whether you're in person or online or on the radio. If you are a faithful part of this church, you excel in so many things. It says excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in the act of grace, in this act of generosity. See that, see that you are not just somebody who gets by, but, but you are really doing an amazing job in this. I have one more challenge. If that wasn't enough, I, I trust you to, on the way out, you'll be able to get these cards and, and take care of that between you and yourself. You can split it in half even today and, and let God lead you in that. But here's, here's challenge number two. Between now and the end of the year, I've got another hashtag for you to kind of keep track of. Instead of uh, lavish gravy, this is going to be lavish grace. And I want to ask you to keep your eyes open to see someone who excels in the act of giving, the act of generosity. Now, here's the tension. How do we celebrate that on social media without seeming proud? I, I know that it could be done poorly, so ask God to lead you if this is something that needs to stay private or if this is something you can celebrate. I would encourage you to be very careful to celebrate anything you do on your own. That would seem very boastful, I think. It could be done. But look for ways that people are excelling in generosity and, and, and share it just with this hashtag. And know that God has called us to excel in this act of grace. Uh, notice if people are using their time to serve the Lord, or, or maybe their gifts and abilities, uh, their talents. Or maybe you know in some way they've used their treasure, their resources to provide someone in a time of need. But if at all possible, celebrate it. Here's the, probably the best way to celebrate is just go up to them and say thank you. You see someone serving in the nursery, they didn't hear the sermon, be like, man, I just want to say thank you. And they'll be like, oh, I'm surprised about that. Maybe go up to someone that you see uh, just uh, investing in a young person. Say thank you. Celebrate them personally. Uh, say, I'm going to continue to pray that, that you would be a blessing in this way. And if at all possible, in as discreet ways you can, use this hashtag and say, lavish grace. Whether it's their time and their talents or the treasure. I want to give you an example of how this might be done. I'm going to do it before the end of the day. Tim Thompson, who is a bus driver for the Hillsborough School District, uh, runs a bus route, and he noticed that a lot of his students on the bus did not have adequate hats as soon as the weather got cold. So he told his wife, Sue, about this dilemma, and uh, she told her uh, stitch therapy group about this dilemma. Now, stitch therapy is a group of ladies, primarily right now, that meets over here in the education wing twice a month, and they just do crocheting and stitching, and they make all sorts of things. Tim asked the, the group to, to get hats for all the kids that ride his bus. And here's a picture he took recently on his bus ride. They were able to make stocking caps for every child on his bus. And I want to praise God for that. That's lavish grace. <laughs> Sue, Gloria, and the rest of the group who, who lead that, 
Man, I'm so proud of them for saying, yeah, we can do that. We can use our gifts and our resources and our time, a trifecta of being generous. And I'm so thankful Tim's like, I'm going to give them to these kids. And, and it's an amazing thing. A simple thing like that could change a child's life. They let them know someone cares. Maybe you want to join that group and, and, and be involved in that. They're, they're going to get back at that after the new year, talk to those ladies or talk to the staff about how you can get involved with that. Maybe you want to start a new group that's meeting a need. But you've been blessed to be a blessing. And we need to celebrate that. We need to, to allow the world to see what God is doing with the church because the church gets a, a lot of bad attention sometimes. But, but the best way the church can really propel the message of Christ is to be like Christ and be generous with the things we've been given from him. Know that you've been blessed to be a blessing. And today as we close, as we close the series in this day, I can't help but know in my heart that someone here today has never received that grace. You have never uh, yet accepted the gift that has been offered to you in Jesus. Oh, you may sing a worship song occasionally. You may, you may read. You may even pray. But there comes a point where you're like, I cannot do this on my own. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can never achieve a certain uh, level of generosity to go to heaven. I just have to accept what Jesus has done for me. Maybe that day is today for you. Where you're like, I receive the gift of Jesus and the grace that he offers. That he died for me so I could live. If that is your decision you need to make today, do that. And in that decision, it'll put you in a position to know what he's done for you so you can do it for others. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven, I thank you that you've been so generous to us. You've been so gracious. You've lavished it on us. Help us to be powered by that love, to love others, to be generous to them. Lord, help us to be just wise and, and follow the details that you've asked us. Help us to give based on what we've been given, not based on what we don't have, but in proportion to what we do have. Father, I thank you for this group of, of ladies that have used their gifts and abilities to love on these kids. I thank you for Tim and his willingness to distribute these, these stocking caps. Let it be another example of the way that you use your people to spread your hope and your love to the world. Father, if there's someone here that needs to receive that for the first time, I pray that they would just come forward, that they would talk to someone and, and make that step of trusting in you and knowing that you have blessed us to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing?